Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter and threads and everywhere else you need an at. Pa- Patreon, maybe. Give me money. Well done. Um, yeah, what we're going to do the too long didn't read version of the Dynasty Crossroads as we're going through for in season. So let's look at which teams are underscoring in touchdowns and should bounce back and which players as well. Which young quarterbacks doing well right now do we like and for what reason? And pretty much anything else I noticed through five weeks of data. Let's get into it after a word from Ticketmaster. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best views of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change... Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. In Arizona, Michael Wilson continues to stabilize in the top 36. As we talked about last week, Michael Wilson was behind both Marcus Brown and Rondell Moore in route percentage, but this week he drew level with Rondell Moore and actually has more ceiling weeks over 20%. The target swung Moore's way this week, but that's the nature of volume at this level. Neither has particularly strong red zone presence. Moore has 3.4% of the touches inside the 20-yard line and Wilson has 6.9%. And this week, in week 5... Targets inside the 20-yard line actually favored the tight end position as they do on average for this offense. Zach Ertz has 20.7% of the team's touches inside the red zone so far. Speaking of which, red zone, Zach Ertz has stabilized as a second option in this offense. He has 19% of the team's overall routes. Last week's 9 points weren't great. He finished as a tight end 16, but he's still streamable. The brief hope for Trey McBride to grow in week three seems to have been a minor false signal and is now gone. In Atlanta, the upside is shaky, but there's a flexible floor in the receiving game. Both Drake London and Kyle Pitts managed the reminder game this week as they both posted solid numbers, with London finishing the week as wide receiver 16 with 14.7 PPR points and Kyle Pitts the tight end 8, 15.7 PPR points, in a high-scoring win against Houston. Jonas Smith, however, still kept his floor, 10.7 PPR points, and is split. And he has effectively split the role. He has 17% of the overall routes, with Pitts has 19% on a per-game basis this season. Bajon Robinson continues to be the only strong top 12 player on the offense, while Joshua Dobbs and the others are providing replacement-level production, at least in Dynasty. In Baltimore, Justice Hill returns. As we noted last week, as a side note, Justice Hill's potential to return to his top 24 upside in the offense actually returned in week 5. He had 10% of the team's targets and 28% of the team's rushing share. Similar numbers to week 1 and 2 when he was running back 19 and running back 28 respectively. He's a flex play but a solid running back start for anyone struggling at the running back 2 position. Zay Flowers continues to have impressive share of a mediocre passing attack, not just for a rookie, um, and not just for a rookie. He's also performing well on it. He added to his total number of targets inside the red zone for the first time this week since week two, but there's still no touchdowns to show for those targets, and he's going to show out some week when they catch up to his volume. 
I'd keep starting him for his floor and hope to catch that upside as well. In Buffalo, James Cook is a red zone runner. His 5.4 PPR points last week placed him as running back 36 for the week, such is the state of the running back position. He still had a typical role, however, with 11% of the team's targets and 35% of the team's rushing attempts in Week 5, but disappointed on them in a game where that was all about Josh Allen and his favorite two options, Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis. Cook had 15% of the team's touches inside the 20-yard line, surprisingly similar to Latavius Murray, but has yet to record a target in that area of the field. While his red zone work is due, quote-unquote, to pay off, it's hard to bet on this by itself, given the spread inside the 20-yard line with so many weapons and so many potent weapons getting similar usages. However, Cook only has one touchdown on the season, that's from week four, and that makes for a 332 yards per touchdown stat, which should plunge back into the average between 100 and 200 over the next few weeks. The short version of that is that he should score more touchdowns moving forward, or at least score a few touchdowns relative to his yardage total and have a much better game coming in his future. In Carolina, Bryce Young continues to improve. The third straight game with over 60% completion rate and and the second straight game with above average pacer. He even managed to finish as a a quarterback 12 with 18.2 PPR points, helping to continue Adam Thielen's relevance to Dynasty as a strong weekly start for competitive teams. He's wide receiver 14 in weighted opportunity. I expect more of the same as Team Short King continues to ride in 2023. In Chicago, DJ Moore. That's a note. Should probably mention DJ Moore after he put up 230 receiving yards and three touchdowns in a single game. We've been focused on the running back split for this column and the podcast for this podcast, and of course selling Justin Fields this season. But even with Roshan Johnson going out early, Cleo Herbert, Cleo Herbert wasn't wasn't able to keep the train rolling. He only had 31% of the team's rushing attempts, Fields took 34% of them, and DJ Moore rewriting the weekly ceiling of fantasy output for the position basically camped Herbert's upside. I don't want to put a damper on Fields, but he continues to struggle as a passer. No rushing quarterback in the NFL has managed to continue to produce while passing for such a low rate. 51% completion. He had 51% completion rate last week. While the window still gets better and worse, depending on the actual production upside, I'm still strongly favoring selling fields in Dynasty, if and when you can. In Dallas, touchdowns. For the love of all that is math, touchdowns. If Dallas doesn't score more points in touchdowns soon, I may have to rewrite my red zone expected points model, because apparently you can throw 35 35 times inside the 20-yard line and only have four touchdowns to show for it. That's 11% conversion rate. And rush the ball 46 times and only have four touchdowns to show for it. That's an 8% conversion rate. For comparison, Pittsburgh, who only has 15 targets at the end of the field inside the last 20 yards, has two receiving touchdowns. Pittsburgh. But that's a 13% conversion rate. You heard that right. Kenny Pickett is currently more effective in the red zone than both Dak Prescott and the entire Dallas offense. Touchdowns, for the love of all that is math, please, touchdowns, Dallas. In Detroit, the forgotten depth of Josh Reynolds. I don't think to mention them often, but there are certain players I roster a lot, especially in baseball dynasty leagues. 
In the same vein as Kendrick Bourne or currently less successful Zach Pascal, Josh Reynolds has often provided such usable weeks that go underrated or undermentioned. Amon Ross St. Brown was listed as doubtful all week because of an abdomen problem and Josh Reynolds finishes wide receiver 16 in week 5, 17.6 PPR points. But, as we know, those two aren't necessarily related because that's not how targets work. Reynolds is a wide receiver 8 in points per game this season already and has, a, has had similar weeks before in 2023, like I say, often undernoticed. Without St. Brown, Reynolds, Reynolds actually ran fewer routes, and the team had fewer routes run completely for the entire week. They had 120 routes in terms of everyone running every route, and they averaged 126 in 2023. So it was significantly below their own average just this season. But that's because losing Armand Ross St. Brown made the offense worse. Jamison Williams did make his debut, and routes went to other players as well, but they weren't Jefferson's routes. Williams had 15 routes, by the way. Three targets, 11% target share. While we wait to see how Williams' role will grow, one thing is certain, and should be kept in mind. Amon Ross St. Brown's routes and targets are his own, and they shouldn't factor into our interpretation of anything else. Also, Sam Laporta is not so slowly becoming the Dynasty tight end one. Now, Green Bay's on a bye this week, so I normally wouldn't write them up, but I did want to mention that Christian Watson increased in route percentage, 19%, and still lagged behind Romeo Dubs in Week 5. He had 22%. Watson earned targets more effectively, 24% targets per route run shows that. But while we wait to see what lesson we can learn from routes and targets per route run but from these two, this could be an interesting thing to know. In Houston... Weird, very bad game. Nico Collins led in route percentage in a low-scoring Week 5 loss to Atlanta. The trend that interested me the most was that while both Tank Dell and Nico Collins had 4 targets each, most of the work going to Dalton Schultz who had 10 targets, Collins had a significantly higher route share, 22% versus Tank Dell's 10%, and Collins' dot dropped by half to 6.3, while Dell's doubled to 16.3. It's probably just a one-off bad result, but it's something I want to keep in mind as the rest of the season unfolds. I'm still on Team Tank Dell. In Indianapolis, Josh Downs is still the second option. I'm here for all the Josh Downs positive takes we can possibly have, but his 15.7 wide receiver 18 points in Week 5 is probably overrated. Michael Pittman had 10.6 PPR points last week as wide receiver 33, is still leading in routes, 22% versus Josh Downs, 17%, and target share, 28% versus Downs, 20%. Downs is making a strong case for himself as a growing young player in the league, but Pittman is still the lead option in the receiving game in Indianapolis. Zach Moss put up another top 12 week with 33.2 PPR points, but I don't think you need too many advanced stats to tell you we should expect that Jonathan Taylor is going to take that job pretty soon. In Jacksonville, Calvin Ridley returns again. Zay Jones returned as well, after two weeks being the third option on the team in route percentage, but he also added to his red zone work with two more targets, which is phenomenally high, or adds to his phenomenally high season-long red zone presence, 37% of the touches per game. Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk split the targets, eight each, but Ridley still edged out Kirk in total routes. I'd expect more of the same from Ridley, and while Jones is playing, he could play touchdown spoiler any given week. 
Kirkstell has a startable floor for most teams and so far has 340 yards and one touchdown this season. He's the only one due touchdown regression anytime soon. For the Los Angeles Rams, two men walk into a role, but only one of them is named Cooper Cup. Same same ADOT, same route percentage, 21%, but Cup earned targets on 29% of his routes and looked very healthy doing it at a clip of 2.9 yards per route run. They can't both have 11 targets every week, but they are a dominant pairing with Cup in the lead. Cup, Karen Williams, and Tutu Atwell took the red zone touches. Everyone looks startable. Cup and Puka Nakua for their upside, but also their floor. Kyron Williams is also an every week starter, and Tutu looks decent as a flex play. He's got 14% of the targets, 20% of the routes, and even a red zone role still, and that all in week 5. Kyron Williams had 92% of the rushing attempts, but the team only ran 14 times. His target share also stayed low after last week, 5%, which made for a top 36 finish instead of a top 12 one but he's still got a pretty good floor, to be honest. In Miami, Jalen Waddle, buy window? While everyone is interested in, well, everyone in Miami right now, the young proven wide receiver might be in a buy window. Even with Raheem, even Raheem Mostart has dynasty interest right now. He's competitive for the team's overall touches. He still managed to split the work with Devin A-Chain. Both have about 14% of the team's rushing attempts, and Mostert has a higher target share right now, 10% compared to A-Chain's 8% on the season. In the meantime, Jalen Waddle has had his season high in targets, 35%, and four targets inside the red zone, resulting in one touchdown. And he had his highest seasonal finish as a wide receiver 20 so far. While he's not going to unseat Tyreek Hill as a lead wide receiver, we've seen both be top 12 on the same offense before, and Waddle, despite the disappointing overall finishes this season, should easily be a coveted dynasty player. Minnesota. Alexander Madison. That's the note. Justin Jefferson is going to IR and could miss more than the four weeks that requires if he isn't fully recovered according to the team. While this might send some fools scurrying for Jordan Addison, we already knew to target him Dynasty from week one, or our rookie ranks, or probably Debbie ranks if you want to pull those receipts. Instead, I'm more focused on the running game in Minnesota. The loss of Jefferson will hurt the team, but Madison is still the clear back on the team, managing to claw back the momentary loss of targets to Cam Akers last week. In week 5, Madison had 6.5% of the team's targets compared to Akers 3% and 44% of the team's rushing attempts compared to Akers 27%. And we didn't see Akers' snap share increase either. Madison remains a target for teams looking for top 24 running back potential with weekly upside. 60% of the touches inside the 20-yard line also make for upside on a weekly basis. In New England, Bailey Zappi window, but what kind? I had some idea Bailey Zappi might get starts eventually this offseason. Well, no, this offseason starts this season, and I was thinking that in the offseason. And for the second straight week in a row, he salted away the game because of a disappointing Mac Jones. Disappointing being, you know, an aggressively mediocre way of saying that. However, Mac Jones is still arrestably mediocre at this point. He's still expected to start next week versus Las Vegas, and while Zappi's 18 passing attempts haven't been able to, ju- haven't been enough to judge him so far for me, I think there'd be more noise about him potentially starting. 
If the team had any confidence or just hope that Zappi could do the job, I think Mac Jones has been passionately begging them to try it for weeks, and it still seems to be falling on deaf ears. Though very disappointing it is. In New Orleans, there's a Michael Thomas window. On average, New Orleans passes the ball inside the 20-yard line about 4.4 times a game, creating an expectation of close to two touchdowns a game based on the historical averages where the ball is actually being thrown inside the 20-yard line. The team is currently scoring on average 0.8 touchdowns a game on those expected points. This kind of variance isn't outlandish, it's not drastic, but it does show the team is getting the red zone, getting to the red zone and choosing to pass enough that we should have higher expectations for them every week, at least in terms of the receiving game. Avon Kamara finishes a top five, top seven running back this week, which is, you know, water, which is a water is also wet kind of observation. In the meantime, Chris Olave is a dynasty preference, but Michael Thomas is still splitting the routes evenly with him and has a slight edge in red zone work, 13% to 10%. While the offense runs through Kamara, eventually one of these wide receivers is going to start scoring more regularly and I favor the old guy who currently has less trade value. For the New York Giants, Wondell Robinson is growing. Decided to stay positive instead of going on a rant about the quality of the quarterback position in New York, Wanda Robinson has gone from 15% round percentage when he returned in week 3, to 18% in week 4, and 20% in week 5. His yards per route run is fine, if you allow for the lack of quality passes in New York, it's got 1.2 yards per route run, and he's earning those targets at an aggressive rate on 30% of his overall routes. I typically like buying good players in poor situations before seeing the fantasy production, but it's normally based on a player having more of a track record of production in the NFL. Still, Robinson doesn't carry huge value, and his name put on your thought pad list when considering trades you want to make in Dynasty. I don't know there's much of a rush, he has 17% of the targets right now, and no red zone touches to bolster his weekly production until the situation improves. In Philadelphia... There are touchdowns due here as well. If Dallas wasn't setting records for touchdown failure right now, I'd be emphasizing Philadelphia more, or Tampa, but that's another story. For right now, know that having 41 rushing attempts inside the 20-yard line, based on where they were made, and having only 6 rushing touchdowns is far fewer than you'd expect. Jandre Swift and Kenneth Gainwell have been splitting those touches about evenly, although Jalen Hurts takes about 28% of them. And if Swift and Gainwell can't score on those touches, he might be encouraged to hold the ball even more. San Francisco. Brock Purdy? Good. I'm a little surprised that so many are shocked, but four out of the five weeks finishing inside the top 12 is probably more than any of us considered or would have considered a reasonable expectation. Still, to be clear, he hasn't had less than 61% completion rate and hasn't passed the ball less than 21 times in a game this year. He isn't overperforming his red zone work or relying on touchdowns. The offense helps the quarterback out a lot, but I don't think Brock Purdy should be expected to start failing anytime soon if you're unsure. A player who is situation dependent is always concerning, but I think his floor is so solid as long as two out of his five great weapons are available, and he deserves credit for executing on the offense itself. His QB6 in points per game right now? And it's pretty amazing what a passing quarterback can do, considering all the time we spend talking about, you know, needing a rushing floor. For Tennessee, Chig Okonkwo had nine targets. 
I trade him for whatever you can get. His route share is static, around 17%. It was a random weak occurrence, I think, but just thought I'd say it. And Washington Sam Howell finished in the top 12 again. Had a lot of hope coming in for Sam Howell to 2023. He was a forgotten passing profile in his own rookie class and fell down the draft board, it felt like. In college, he was relatively accurate, and I think the NFL's new fascination with rushing players is what pushed him down the board, or did him dirty. But the last few weeks have been a good sign in those directions. However, while his completion percentage remains relatively positive, over 61%, normally closer to 70%, I'm a little concerned. But I have to admit, it's mostly based on other people's work. I don't dig in to quarterback stats a lot. I'm not even sure I'm going to include this note in my DLF article because it's not my work. But I know people who know people and sometimes they post things in DMs. And a lot of them are looking at sack rate because sacks are essentially a quarterback stat. How much you get sacked is essentially or majoritively the fault of the quarterback, if it belongs to anyone. And Sam Howe is getting sacked way too much based on the situations he's being placed in by his offensive line, essentially is what the models are trying to say. Now, I don't know if quarterbacks can improve that, or that's an improvable skill, or if those models are entirely accurate, because that's partly why I stay out of quarterback statistics, because they're really tough, man. They're, they're beyond me right now. But I did want to mention it to any... Crossroads listeners, like the people that I think are capable of doing those statistics, that are smarter than me and are capable of at least trying that kind of stuff, are saying that he's still good, he's in the average, and doing well. On the average, doing well. But if he doesn't clean up the sacks, that's a really bad part of a quarterback profile for the long term. For right now, he's scoring points, and he, as a passer, looks pretty good. But he's got to be able to avoid sex more, or they think they, uh, to put a name on it, Travis May, who I've had on this podcast, and you definitely know if you know me, he's one of the people that are playing around with pressure for stacks, pressure and sack rates in college, and he applied it to the NFL recently, and Sam Howe came up at the bottom of the list as getting sacked way more often than he should be, again, based on what the offensive line is doing and the team situation that he's in. So, yeah, I kind of trust that. Even... When I asked, Travis said, that doesn't mean he's not going to have long-term potential. It means this is an issue that needs to be fixed, or he won't have long-term potential. And I and Travis didn't even guess about, you know, whether that is something that can be fixed. So I like Sam Howe. I still like Sam Howe. I'd be more interested in a competitive team in Brock Purdy right now, despite both having phenomenal weeks and being inside the top 12 regularly. And just because he doesn't have that wart on his profile. And for a competitive team, I'm less concerned about the situational dependentness. But if they're on the roster, and you're not a very competitive team, if you can trade for multiple firsts in value, like both have issues for long-term potential, but if you can't trade for full value, then I'm also pretty happy to keep rostering both. So yeah, that's my non-scripted rant on the Washington passing situation. It's good! But just a note from smarter people than me. I did try and write it up, but what I came up with is I don't dig into those numbers much myself. Quarterback evaluation is a black hole from which no light returns. And I realized I probably, yeah, this probably isn't my thing. I probably shouldn't write this one up. But anyway, 
that's my weekly uh, report on the things I noticed from five weeks of data in the NFL so far. Hopefully some of them are underrated. Hopefully some of them are interesting to you. Um, But that's about all I have time for for this week. If you want to read the article or some of the other things, every now and again something ends up in there that I don't put on the podcast or vice versa, you can check it out on DLF. You can check it out on Patreon. You can also check out all the data um, and the tables I'm using to make my brief observations before I dig in um, to all that data. Pinned to my Patreon timeline, pinned to my Twitter timeline. It's free. It's a Google Sheet. Have at it. Have fun. Or hit me up in the Patreon Discord anytime to talk about it or, you know, find where that link is. Um, I'd be happy to see you on any of those places. But for now, that's it. That's The Crossroads. And I will talk to you again next week after another week of data. Thanks very much. And I'll see you next week. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars. Dropping bombs without no borders, you got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so Jake on the table and they on the plays, no Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so Jake on the table and they on the plays, no Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical